0: This is the Sports Desk. You'll listen to the Sports Desk this Wednesday morning on Sin. You're joined by. Kendra and Luca, and we'll be talking about Super Netball Grand Final involving the Melbourne Vixens and West Coast Fever, Uh, the AFL Preliminary Finals, were wrapped up over the weekend. We'll be discussing an EPL roundup and swimming news as well, and a new segment we'll be introducing later on in the show as well. Uh, Kendra, first up, uh, your Richmond Tigers got over my Port Adelaide, how are you feeling?
1: Oh, I'm feeling very good. I mean, it was such a good game, well, from my end anyway. But um, I think both. I think Port Adelaide had a very good game as well. It could have been either teams that won and unfortunately Port Adelaide just couldn't seem to, I guess, get the goal in the last quarter. I mean, Richmond just edged out a goal and that was the score. But, yeah, it was very good for the Tigers. They played very well and it's going to be very interesting to see how they go against Geelong. How did you find the match?
0: Uh, the match was... Uh I think it was back and forth. Um, each team had their own patches of dominance. And the the centre clearances for me was where the game was won and lost. I think Richmond had an edge, especially in the fourth quarter. They just they won more of the clearances from the ruck. Um, yeah, Scott Nankervis just had a... Yeah, you could tell he had like premiership winning experience in the end. But still, it was a very good match. Very good match.
1: Yeah. Definitely from the centre, I definitely think that a key player for Richmond, who actually quite surprisingly me this year, Shay Bolton, he was very good in the centre. And also, obviously, we have Tom Lynch, who's back, who definitely is very good full forward, definitely doesn't, rarely misses a goal, though he did have a few slip-ups, but they all played very well. Of course, Dusty definitely picked up in the last quarter. He always seems to pick up when he's most needed. He's a very good player, as we know. But, yeah, good game all round. Do feel for the Port Adelaide. Supporters. There was a lot more Port Adelaide people there than there were Richmond fans. I think they were hoping to see their team go through, but, you know, it, that's football, and it will definitely, hopefully, be a very good grand final next week.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, they faced Geelong after Geelong got up 82-42 against Brisbane. Um, I did not expect this margin, let's be honest. 40 points is way too much especially when you're playing at home.
1: Yes, definitely. I was surprised by Brisbane. I genuinely thought Brisbane would really serve it up to the Geelong Cats. But, I mean, there was patches where they were coming back and really giving them a real fight. But I think Geelong just came in were the dominant team from the get-go, I'd say. And, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting to see how they go against the Tigers because, to be honest, I don't know who... I can't even pick a team either way. I think both teams have a very strong chance of winning. So it's going to be, I think, a really well-fought-out match.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I feel like the the lead will swing either way. Like, momentum will change and shift. But they're both... Like, I feel like Richmond play more counter-attacking football. Like, especially in the last two matches I've seen them play against St Kilda and against Port Adelaide. It's much more like absorb the pressure and then like break through the center of the ground. Um, that's when they're like most dangerous. Uh, and then Geelong just have like, they have very heavy defensive pressure on the halfback. And they just fling it around the flanks. Um, you saw grind Myers, uh, Selwood, Dangerfield. They were just unstoppable, like along the, along the wings. Um, yeah. Blit- Blitzharves and, uh, and Nanko is, so that's going to be a great rock contest. I think. And then the two full forwards as well with Hawkins on one end, uh, Bolton on the other. Just, yeah, it's going to be, no, Bolton, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a, quite an interesting uh, seesawing battle.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be very exciting. Um, I really do hope it's not a blowout with one team having a massive lead. I think that everyone's hoping for- I think every year everyone hopes that the grand final is a very exciting game, and I genuinely think that this year is going to be more exciting than ever with these two teams.
0: Yeah, I don't want to repeat of last year's grand final as a neutral. Like that'll be <laughs> that'll be the last thing you'd want.
1: Yeah, I have to say, even though it was like last year's grand final, it was just. You can't watch it when you're seeing a team just get absolutely thrashed. I find that it just sort of kills the almost entertainment out of it because there's no, like, real excitement. So, yeah, that was hard to watch as well, even though I was supporting the winning team.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get into previous grand final meetings before between Richmond and Geelong, I just want to give an honourable mention to Brad Ebert uh, he's carried the Ebert name with pride. That's a historical family that's been involved with potted lead for many generations. Uh, he suffered a concussion or a light concussion in the fourth quarter going up to spoil uh, contested possession in uh, yeah in the last quarter of the game. And uh, he was carried off, well, like walked off uh, by trainers. And uh, yeah, he's announced his retirement. Uh, it was fitting that he was his last player of the game, a contested, like spoil out of bounds a defensive play and uh, yeah, just want to like pay my respects to uh, Brad Ebert and his family. Hope like the head injuries don't like hamper his life further on. But yeah, I think choosing his life ahead of footy is a brave decision. And uh, yeah, just commend him for that. All right. So Geelong and Richmond have faced each other on two previous occasions, uh, 1931. was the first time, and then 1967 was the second time. Uh, 1931, VFL Grand Final, uh, Geelong won by 20 points. It was 9-14, 68 to Geelong and 7 goals, 6-48 Richmond on that day. That was Geelong's second ever Premiership victory. And in 1967, that was Tom Hafey's First victory with, uh, with Richmond. They got up by nine points in the end, 16 goals, 18, 114, to 15 goals, 15, Geelong, 105. Uh, that was a, a crazy grand final. That's a high scoring grand final, 114, 105. Um, yeah. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. I think it's going to be much lower, if it's in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I don't think that, yeah, it's not going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be a very, very like rough attacking game with very little goals because I feel like both sides will definitely be putting themselves on the line to make sure that no, neither team are getting the goal. So I don't think it's going to be high scoring, that's for sure.
0: There was also uh, the Brownlow medal was on uh, Sunday night. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, lucky Neil. He uh, claimed the, uh, the MVP of the season with 31 votes in 17 games. I think he was the overall favorite. Uh, he used to play for Fremantle, and I think he credited Ross Lyon for kind of shaping him into the player that he is today. So, yeah, lucky Neil. And he also thanked his wife for being always by his side as well. And it was kind of like a nice little ceremony, let would say.
1: Yeah, the Brownlow was definitely very different, but it was very good to see them all still getting dressed up, still treating it as close to as a normal Brownlow as possible. And yeah, it was definitely a good thing. I also think it was really worth locking. He was very worthy. I mean, he did, you know, fall short of a grand final and he has been an amazing player all season. So I definitely think he is worth the award.
0: The Gabba is going to be hosting the grand final, as we all know. Uh, it's going to be a twilight more night than twice, but yeah it's going to be interesting to see see the afl grand final up there for the first time
1: playing night's going to be very different for everyone i guess i mean you know i think especially in victoria everyone's used to the grand final during the day everyone catches up goes for barbecues obviously we can't do that this year being in a pandemic but hopefully it will still be a very exciting day and just one more thing that I found really quite funny, maybe it's because I'm a Richmond supporter, I did see on the AFL Instagram page that Ash Barty may present the Premiership Cup. She has accepted the offer but it's still waiting to see if it's approved. So I think that would be quite funny considering she has been quite a prominent figure at the footy this year.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be like a cap on like her career, sporting career, to be on the ground of the Premiership Cup.
1: I mean, what more could you want from a year? She remains world number one in tennis and she's presenting the AFL Football Championship Premiership Cup. I mean, I'm a little bit envious of Ash Barty, to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got to love it. Got to love it. Uh, we'll get to a song break now. Uh, you'll be listening to uh, The Sports Desk here this Wednesday morning on scene with Kendra and Luca. The song we're about to listen to is by A. Swayze and the Ghosts, Marigold. Enjoy. You're listening to Sports Desk this Wednesday morning with Kendra and Luca here on scene. song you just heard was A. Swayze and the Ghosts with their song Marigold. Just a quick note uh, that the NRL Grand Final is also happening this coming weekend with the Melbourne Storm facing the Penrith Panthers. Uh, Penrith Panthers, of course, were in the grand final, I think, 16 years ago, um, which they won. Uh, They finished minor premiers. They've been playing some excellent uh, rugby league all season. And uh, they're going up against the Melbourne Storm, Craig Bellamy, uh, master coach, wizard there. And Cameron Smith as well. Uh, His his contract is up in the air, let's say. not everyone is certain that he'll play again uh, at all, like rugby league, or if he'll uh, change teams, move to another team up the uh, Sunshine Coast, perhaps for the Brisbane Broncos. But we'll see. That should be an interesting game as well. That game is on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night as well on in uh, yeah, New South Wales, I believe. But yeah, I'm expecting a close game between Melbourne Storm and Panthers another Melbourne team that played in the Grand Final this past weekend was the Melbourne Vixens. Uh, they played against the West Coast Fever. And Kendra, boy, was this a match in the Super Netball yeah. Grand Final?
1: Yeah, it was a very well-fought-out match by the girls. I think it was a really good way to, I guess, end the season for the Super Netball. Like the AFL, they've had quite a, I guess, a disjointed season where they have had to travel to hubs and everything, and it's been... Really good to get the Super Netball um, back, you know, up and running this year because a lot of sports haven't been able to do, which was really good. It's good that they had a season, especially for women's sport. But, yeah, this grand final was very well fought out. I mean, Vixens were the favourite going in. However, the West Coast Fever gave them a run for their money. I mean, 66 to 64, that's a very close score from the two teams.
0: Yeah, came, like the scores were like pretty much level going into like the last few seconds of the game. Um, like, I feel like uh, yeah, Joe Weston, Emily Maddox, they had a uh, they had like standout performances for the di- in the defensive end of the game for the Vixens, uh, and then who was it? Oh, Kumwenda for for the Vixens. Uh, she got. She got him up in the, la- in the dying seconds of the match. It was her 47th point as well. So that's incredible play by Kumwenda there.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a really good game, especially when they said that scores were locked with 90 seconds left before Way Kumwenda gave the Vixens a one-point edge. So really nail-binding game. Definitely really good, good game to finish this Super Netball season.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the Vixens' first premiership since 2014, and uh, boy, did they deserve it. They finished on top. They earned uh, the, the week off by winning their semi their semifinal prelim. And, uh, yeah, I think they were deserving Victor's premiers overall.
1: Very good to have a Victorian team doing well at the moment, especially how Victoria is. So good on the Melbourne Vixens for taking it out.
0: Like in recent years with the expansion, uh, like a lot of other clubs in Super Nepal have like come into the fray. I know there's like Collingwood Magpies Nepal team, but yeah, they're not as good yet, let's say. But Vixens, I remember like from like since I was like younger, younger. Like it's always been a name synonymous with Nepal in Victoria. So to see it back in the. The headlines, it's good. It's good to see. Caitlin Thwaites, Teagan Phillip, they're retiring after winning the Premiership. It's good for them. Got it done. Well done there. Cool, cool. The song you're about to hear uh, this Wednesday morning here on Sports Desk. Touche Amore, Lament. It's a hectic song. Hope you enjoy listening to Sports Desk here on scene with Kendra and Luca.
1: And that was "Lament" by Touche Amore. You're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin on this Wednesday morning with Kendra and Luca. Now for an EPL roundup, Luca, do you want to take us through this?
0: Yeah, the, the EPL. Uh, it got underway on Saturday night, our time, of course, uh, with the Merseyside derby. That's Everton versus Liverpool, and the game was a end-to-end match. Uh, Liverpool took an early lead for Sadio Mane and after like a minute of play. Two minutes of play. Just incredible goal that one. Just tap in there. Great uh, action from the wing, coming in. Uh, and then through a corner, Michael Keane got the equaliser for Everton to make it one all. After the first half of football, that was... It was anyone's game, I think, with uh, Everton-Liverpool. Then in the 70th minute, you get Salah coming in, scoring his hundredth Premier League goal. Uh, just you think from then on, it's like okay, maybe it is Liverpool's match to win at this point. But what do you know? It the man of the moment, Calvert Lewin, he scores again for Everton with a great header uh, to make it two all. This game ended in controversy. If I do say so myself. Um, First of all, with uh, Virgil van Dijk, the Liverpool centre-back, going down with an injury, he's uh he's confirmed that he's torn his ACL and will have to go through surgery. Uh, after Jordan Pickford, the Everton goalkeeper, uh, collided into him, uh, in, his, in the six-yard box. But not only that, after Rich Allison from Everton was uh, red-carded right in the last minute of the game with Liverpool having the extra man on the field, they get a nice through ball down in the into their area and they score, thinking it's 3-2. They check the video assistant referee and by the millimetre of millimetre, it was such a close call, the VAR has decided that it was offside. And I, I'm not a Liverpool fan per se, but I could feel the anger and rage at VAR from that moment. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy in the past seasons about VAR, whether it should be introduced into the modern game and yeah, in terms of the English FA, they just haven't quite got it right with uh, making the right call because in that moment I believe that it was very marginal decision. It, it sucks like the life out of the game as well <laughs> like with VAR, of course it's controversial, it's such a close call but still, last minute goal to go ahead win the match but still it's good to see to all there was parity all throughout the game and uh with that result Everton are still on top of the table yeah, uh, just ahead of Aston Villa who beat they beat Leicester City 1-0 and uh, with a last minute goal from Ross Barkley ex-Everton player ex-Chelsea player who's on loan from Chelsea uh they've won four goal. They've won four games in a row. Haven't lost a game. Got a game in hand. So, when they play that game again, they could be on top. Aston Villa. They haven't won it. They've won the Premier League since the early '80s, 1980-1981 season. Uh, as well as Everton, they've won the Premier League since, well, the first division it was called back then, back in the back in the '80s. So it's a bit of a flashback kind of thing here. Um, I just want to like touch on the Manchester City Arsenal match. Can if I do say so myself. Uh, there was an incident involving Sergio Aguero. Um, he was uh, arguing with the lineswoman during the match in the first half, and then a throw-in wasn't given his way. And as they're having this back and forth conversation, and so they're walking away, um, and Sergio Aguero like puts his arm around the like touches the lineswoman. Now, in football. In football, like in soccer, you're not even supposed to like like have any contact, physical contact whatsoever, with the main referee. But to do that with the with the linesman or lineswoman, regardless of the gender, is quite uncalled for. It's inappropriate, uh, and he got away with no card, no admo- like admonition at all. The referee think, in this game had no control. I don't know. What do you think, Kendra?
1: I think that's really quite degrading. That they've done this because, you know, whether they're male, female, you just, you've got to always show them respect. I mean, it comes back like, I know, this is a little bit, you know, it's a different scenario, but it's also when Djokovic hit the tennis ball that hit the lady. Like, you've got to show these people the respect because otherwise, and especially because he's done it, like, also to, I mean, you know, I'm sure whether it was male or female, he might have done it anyway, but also a woman. Like, I think it's just showing that, like, the players sort of see themselves almost above the, you know, officials who are, you know, carrying out these games. And I think that they just need to be really mindful and, you know, consequence for this sort of stuff because you're going to see more people doing it if they are getting away with it.
0: Yeah, uh, like it sends out a wrong message to younger players coming up through the ranks. Now that we have, uh, now that we have like a lot more diversity. Uh, like in football all around. Uh, it was, yeah, it was quite, it looked, on first look, it looks kind of patronizing. And she, she was clearly perturbed by it as well. Like she, she said, kind of like shoved him, like don't get your hands off me kind of thing. Like it it wasn't the right thing to do. But yeah, Man City won that game 1-0 from Sterling uh, in the first half goal. was enough. Arsenal just couldn't get a goal in there. Uh, my, my favorite match of the round was Tottenham West Ham 3-0 uh, the first 15 minutes of the game Tottenham what 3-0 uh, with Hong Min Son and Harry Kane combining with uh, three goals uh, and you thought yeah for sure it's going to be a, a smooth sailing for Tottenham uh, then maybe another goal to like have a cushion 4-0 in sync but slowly slowly uh, 75th minute, yep, okay. West Ham get a goal. 85th minute, another goal through two. He's like all right, things are happening. Is this uh, is this real life? Uh, Gareth Bale from his return from Real Madrid, he comes in, squanders the uh, the 4-2 goal, uh, just puts it right. And then last minute, West Ham get a corner, and Manuel Lanzini from a rebounded header. He gets the ball 20 yards out, pings it, worldy of a goal, top corner, Hugo Lloris had nothing to say about it. West Ham get the equaliser 3-0, and it was absolute scenes at the Tottenham Stadium there in this uh, London derby, per se. And it was uh, oh, it was such a great goal. Uh, that was my goal of the round, if I'm not – uh, yeah, that was – apart from the EPL – My other soccer highlight was seeing my team, AC Milan, win the Derby della Madonnina against Inter Milan. Um, Yeah, AC Milan, they won 2-1. Two goals from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the god, 39 years old, still kicking goals. He's the highest goal scorer for Milan in derbies. And it's just, it was absolute scenes watching this game uh, at 3 a.m. on a Sunday. Just uh, was my highlight of the week. The next song we're going to be listening to this Wednesday morning here at the Sports Desk is by Hannah Kate called Sunday Morning. I'm joined by Kendra and Luca, and we'll see you around after this short song break.
1: That was Sunday Morning by Hannah Kate. You're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin on this Wednesday morning with Kendra and Luca. We're going to go to some swimming news now. So the ISL has just begun for season two. So definitely be taking through that. So for anyone who doesn't know what ISL is, it's relatively new international swimming league that was introduced last year. And for anyone who doesn't really follow swimming, it's pretty much the T20 cricket version, but for swimming. So it's more jazzed up. I would say there's definitely a lot more money into this league and Swimmers aren't competing for, I guess, like medals as such, but they're more competing for points in a team format. So first up, we have or first up, we only had four teams this year compared to last year. A lot of countries didn't send teams due to the pandemic. Australia was one of them, however, Australia did compete last year. But we have four teams this year: the DC Trident, then we had London Raw. We also have Iron and Aqua Centrions. So first day one, we had the Women's 100 Fly. Um, London Raw picked up the first victory of the day. They have definitely been doing very well in this ISL. So they won, taking out about 15 points for their team. We also had Men's 100 Fly. The Aqua Centrions took out the lead in that and London Raw followed closely and ended up winning the race with more points. We also had women's 200 back, men's 200 back, the breast 200 breaststroke and also the 4x100 free relay. In the relay, London Raw came first again, followed by the DC Trident. In third place, we had Iron, fourth Aqua Centrions and then we also had the second Iron in fifth, Aqua Centrions in sixth and sixth. DC Trident in seventh so it has been quite a jam-packed first day for the ISL it's definitely a really good thing for the sport of swimming that they are having this new league I think it's very exciting for a lot of young swimmers to watch as well so yeah it's definitely a really good thing to follow if anyone wants to follow something other than you know normal team sporting like our football or anything it's definitely give it a watch it's really good fun to watch
0: so do they choose the teams before they, like, actually get to the venue or is there, like... Uh, yeah, so <laughs> Jack-
1: country teams of swimmers. So for Australia, we'd have usually swimmers like Kate Campbell and Bronte Campbell. we have Kyle Chalmers. They'd all be a team competing. Instead of winning races and medals, they all work together as a team to get the points and it's the country with the most points that win.
0: Ah, okay, okay. That's like a interesting twist on a, for the new yeah. sport there. Like also, there's
1: a few swim meets at this, so it's not just like the Olympics. We have a one-day competition. It's quite a few, so they're definitely changing the format of traditional swimming competitions, and, which is very good.
0: I might have to check this out.
1: All right, now we're going to go to a song. It is Metal Violets by Jadu Hart, and we'll be back soon. You're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin on this Wednesday morning.
0: You're listening to the Sports Desk this Wednesday morning with Kendra and Luca. You just heard a song by Jadu Hart. song's called Metal Violets. We're going to be discussing our first sporting memories here at Sports Desk. Uh, Kendra, what was your first sporting memory?
1: My first sporting memories was the 2008 Beijing Olympic Games. I think that that was the first real sort of sporting event on TV that I can actually remember what was happening. I initially was drawn to watching the swimming. I think that they, here in Australia, we were shown the swimming a lot. So naturally I developed an interest in it. And I don't remember who the swimmers were exactly, but I just remember thinking, wow, like just how fast they were swimming in water. And I think I was doing swimming lessons at the time. So I was just sort of comparing myself to how fast they were going. And it was just incredible to watch. I also really liked watching the gymnastics on the Olympics. Like they showed a lot of that. I remember from Beijing and also the opening ceremony, which was quite incredible. I think we had all these different mascots and all these different colors, which was definitely made it one of the best Olympics in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that was quite a tantalising viewing, watching that opening ceremony in Beijing. Crazy stuff there. Um, for me, it's also an Olympics game, but it's the, it's the 2000 Sydney Olympics. It uh, would have been, yeah, early days for me, but still, it was uh, quite an uh, eye-opening, eye-opening ceremony. that had a lot of uh, Indigenous Australian... Art, as well as traditional dance and song, being played in the opening ceremony. Uh Kathy Freeman carrying the the Olympic torch under like a ring of, like of water. Let's say. Yeah. Uh, they uh they someone stole that suit I think didn't they? They uh, yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff, but yeah.
1: Even though I was only probably about a month old when this was happening i feel i still feel like it's a memory because i've just seen so many sort of like documentaries about it so i feel like i've seen it but like you know in a different time obviously but it was definitely incredible watching kathy freeman carry the torch in that suit as well as like being in like the pool and then it sort of lit up with fire it was quite extraordinary to watch
0: it was such a lasting image of kathy freeman winning the golds in the 400 meter with their special windsuit. uh green and silver kind of gave them that aerodynamic advantage but still she was on fire it was her olympics it was her goal to lose and i feel like the pressure was really on her at that stage
1: yeah i think when she finished the race it wasn't so much like pure happiness but it was just the relief that it was done and she had done this amazing thing and then i think she celebrated later on but yeah, wearing that suit, no one else was wearing a suit like that. It was quite incredible. She definitely, definitely she was going in saying this is my race and I'm here to win it when you wear that suit and just how amazing she, the achievement is for all Australians, especially Indigenous. It was quite an incredible milestone in the sporting history.
0: Uh, well, that does it for the Sports Desk this Wednesday morning. Be sure to check out our socials on Instagram and Facebook at The Sports Desk. Um, If you'd like to catch up on previous episodes, uh, just head over to omni.org.au for the podcast clips there. Um, But we've been Kendra and Luca here at The Sports Desk this Wednesday morning. Um, It's been a great show. Hope you uh, keep on listening to Sin. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you all next week. The song you're going to be listening to just before we head out is by Agnes Blue, Invisible Man. Uh, yeah, enjoy. Ciao, ciao.